is your host, Scott Singer, and you are now tuned into Biofuels Daily. It is Tuesday, December 17th. What did one titration say to the other titration? Let's meet at the end point. Now to today's top stories. Our first story today comes out of Colorado. 2019 was a remarkable year for advancing pro-environment policy in Colorado. From the governor's office to the state legislature to the Air Quality Control Commission, Colorado leaders made bold commitments, approved ambitious plans, and set the stage for further action in 2020. Right off the bat in January, Governor Polis issued his first executive order after inauguration aimed at accelerating the widespread electrification of cars, buses, trucks, and other vehicles. The executive order set a zero-emission vehicle standard to increase the availability of electric vehicles and directed the state to use VW settlement funds to expand electric vehicle charging infrastructure. The executive order also recommitted Colorado to the Regional Electric Vehicle West Plan and created a transportation electrification workgroup to support widespread transportation electrification across the state. In May, Governor Polis also released his roadmap to 100% renewable energy by 2040. The Colorado legislature followed Governor Polis's lead, passing a number of policies in the 2019 session to get more electric vehicles on the road. After three years of trying, the legislature finally passed the Bipartisan Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Bill. Electric vehicle advocates had several additional wins on the clean transportation front, including expanding the state electric vehicle tax credit through 2025 and improving the electric vehicle grant fund to allow its use for administration of charging station grants and to offset charging station operating costs. Beyond electric vehicles, Natural Resources Defense Council and the NRDC Action Fund worked alongside a range of coalition partners to pass multiple pro-environment policies at the Colorado Legislature. The Legislature led on energy efficiency, passing new policies concerning building energy codes and new standards for appliances and plumbing fixtures. The Legislature also passed an omnibus bill that implements the recommendations of the Department of Regulatory Agencies Sunset Review and Report on the Public Utilities Commission, expands its authority over tri-state generation and transmission, directs Excel Energy to submit a plan for PUC approval that will achieve an 80% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions below 2005 levels by 2030. This legislation lays out criteria for approval, creates a securitization bonding mechanism to reduce the costs associated with early plant retirement, and creates an opportunity to fund workforce and community transition. In a direct effort to tackle pollution, the legislature passed the Climate Action Plan to reduce pollution. This legislation directs the state to establish statewide pollution reduction goals through rulemaking. It requires the state to meet greenhouse gas pollution reduction targets relative to 2005 statewide greenhouse gas pollution levels of at least 26% by 2025, 50% by 2030, and 90% by 2050. To further support workers transitioning away from jobs in the coal industry, the legislature passed a bill creating a just transition office tasked with determining the needs of workers affected by the transition to a renewable energy economy. NRDC supported this legislation from the beginning from penning a supportive op-ed with the Colorado AFL-CIO to engaging with environmental advocates across the state to get the bill over the finish line. NRDC and coalition partners fought hard for these wins. We were active throughout the legislative session from providing technical expertise 
to mobilizing environmental advocates across the state to urge your legislators to support these policies. Victories beyond the legislative session. Our work didn't end when the legislature adjourned. We quickly geared up for a rulemaking session at the Colorado Air Quality Control Commission to adopt a zero emission vehicle standard. In August, Colorado's Air Quality Control Commission, AQCC, voted to adopt a zero emission vehicle, ZEV program, that increases the availability of electric vehicles in the state, improves air quality, and increases transportation affordability by reducing fuel costs for consumers. NRDC provided hours of technical and legal expertise to demonstrate the public health and consumer benefits of increasing the number of electric vehicles in our state and engaged supporters from across Colorado to submit more than 2,500 public comments to the commission as part of the official record. Colorado joins 10 other states that have already adopted zero electric vehicle programs, sorry, zero emission vehicle programs, and follows up on its adoption of state clean car requirements limiting emissions of greenhouse gases and criteria pollutants from all new passenger vehicles. All told, 30% of the U.S. vehicle market is now covered by a zero-emission vehicle program. Just this month, Governor Polis joined governors from Arizona, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, New Mexico, Utah, and Wyoming in recommitting to and updating the REV West Regional Electric Vehicle Plan for the West. Governor Polis has proven himself an environmental leader committed to reducing greenhouse gas emissions in key sectors, such as transportation, and pursuing common sense solutions, such as energy efficiency standards. As we head into his second year in office, we're optimistic about the future and ready to go to work. Through a variety of electric vehicle-focused policies, Governor Polis and the legislature tackled one of the largest greenhouse gas emitting sectors in the state, transportation. In the year ahead, we hope to continue our work in transportation by increasing access to electric vehicles and charging infrastructure for low-income Coloradans. Buildings are another significant source of climate warming emissions and will be a key focus of our advocacy in the years ahead. When we power our homes and offices with inefficient gas and oil-powered appliances, it impacts not only our climate but our health as well. That's why we'll pursue legislation to expand use of efficient electric appliances that lower our utility bills, keep our air clean, and increase energy efficiency in commercial buildings. Governor Polis recently indicated the state will pursue measures to make state buildings more efficient in the new year by updating the greening of state government executive order. Post-session, we plan to engage again at the Air Quality Control Commission on a series of rulemakings that further tackle greenhouse gas emissions with an economy-wide approach. We will continue to support strong wildlife and public lands policies such as reintroducing wolves to their natural habitat. Colorado is continuing to lead the way on pro-environment policies with the interior west and throughout the country, and 2020 is shaping up to be another banner year. Our second story of the day comes out of Sweden. In an effort to reduce climate impacting emissions, the Swedish waste power plant Renova in the district Savinas upgrades its eight startup and support burners to be able to operate with biofuel instead of fossil fuel. Thanks to this adaptation, fossil emissions are reduced by approximately 960 tons of CO2 annually. The primary task of the startup and support burners is to heat Renova's four waste heat boilers after the yearly auditing or when needed. An example is when an example is if the waste is very wet. 
Then a support burner is needed for the temperature of the waste heat boilers to reach the correct temperature according to the waste directive, which is 850 Celsius for two seconds. The task of updating the existing combustible oil system for operating with RME oil is performed by PetroBio. Since RME is more aggressive than fossil fuel, several different parts need to be replaced and the burners adapted. The waste power plant currently consumes about 550 cubic meters of combustible oil per year. We are incredibly proud to be part of converting it to biofuel, says Johanna Linden, CEO of PetroBio. We delivered our first burners to Renova as early as 1972, and now we are making a joint journey towards a more sustainable future here in Gothenburg. At the Renova waste power plants, approximately 550,000 tons of waste are combusted per year. The generated heat is converted to a third of Gothenburg's district heating, making Renova the largest supplier of district heating in Gothenburg. The plant also produces about 5% of Gothenburg's electricity needs. The transition from fossil oil to bio-oil in the startup and support burners is an important step in Renova's ambition to minimize fossil fuel use and actively contribute to long-term sustainable development. We feel very safe with Petro Bio's delivery. They supply trouble-free burners, regular service delivery, and a 24-hour on-call operations. And their solid experience with flame combustion technology and bio-oil makes the transition from fossil to renewable energy painless and safe, says Malin Brune, process engineer at Renova. Innovative burner technology since 1964, PetroBio is one of the world's leading companies in flame combustion solutions in the range of 2 to 100 megawatts. PetroBio has taken on the environmental challenge to convert a wide range of fuels, gas, liquid, and solid into renewable energy solutions for industrial and commercial usage. Consisting of 35 flame combustion experts, PetroBio delivers burner solutions as well as full turnkey energy projects. The customer service department still services and maintains burners supplied more than 50 years ago. PetroBio is part of the Belgian Clean Energy Technology Group, VYNCKE, CKE since 2018 and the headquarters is located in Gothenburg, Sweden. The annual turnover is over 10 million euro. A third and final story of the day comes out of Indonesia. Indonesia has filed a lawsuit at the World Trade Organization against the European Union claiming the bloc's restrictions on palm oil-based biofuel are unfair and the latest in a series of disputes between the two sides. The EU launched a complaint about the World Trade Organization in late November over Indonesian curbs on nickel ore exports and hit Indonesian biodiesel with tariffs last week. The two are meanwhile seeking to forge a free trade agreement with a ninth round due to have taken place this month. The European Commission concluded this year that palm oil cultivation results in excessive deforestation and should not count towards renewable energy targets. The result is that the palm oil-based diesel would not be considered a biofuel and its use in transport fuel would effectively be phased out between 2023 and 2030. Indonesia, the world's biggest producer of palm oil, has repeatedly said it will challenge the EU's renewable energy directive known as RED2 at the World Trade Organization's dispute settlement body. Indonesia sent a request for consultations with the EU on December 9, 2019 as the initial initiation stage in the lawsuit. The trade ministry said in a state said in a statement, "The commission seems to be well prepared for this," said Hosuk Lee Makima, 
director of Brussels-based think tank ECIPE. It's a political case in how these fare is not solely to do with the law. The consultation phase lasts 60 days. If no solution is found, the EU can then request that the World Trade Organization set up a panel to educate on the issue. EU consumption of palm oil and food has been in steady decline, but its use as a biofuel has increased. Last year, the bloc consumed more than 7 million tons of palm oil, with some 65% of it used for energy. Indonesian Trade Minister Agus Supermanto said the decision to go to the World Trade Organization was made after assessing scientific studies and after meetings with associations and businesses involved in the palm oil sector. With this lawsuit, Indonesia hopes the EU can change their Red 2 and delegated regulation policies, said Supermanto. Indonesia's Director General of Foreign Trade Indrasari Wisnu Wardhana said the EU's policy would not just impact Indonesia's palm oil exports to Europe, but would also tarnish the image of palm oil products globally. So, let me know what you thought about today's podcast and send me an email to biofuelsdaily at gmail.com. Lastly, if you could please subscribe to my podcast and leave a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening, and remember to always go green.